Saturday. CNBC is your ticket to the annual Berkshire Hathaway meeting. Watch live on air or stream all the action at CNBC.com. Warren Buffett meets with shareholders, plus their questions, his answers. Becky Quick and Mike Santoli with full coverage from Omaha. Then re-rack the energy with highlights Monday morning starting on Squawk Box. The annual Berkshire Hathaway meeting, live on air and online, starts 9.30 Eastern, Saturday, CNBC. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. It's Friday, and that means it's time for Options Action. I'm Melissa Lee, live at the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. We've got a big show ahead. Here's what's coming up. Up and down. Plus and minus. Newton's third law of motion. For many things in life, there are polar opposite pairings. Tonight, we look at not one, but two of those such pairings. In the eye-popping market action we are currently witnessing, Amazon and Google, gold and oil. Find out which of each Carter and Mike think is the better to side with. And how. Plus, after the biggest one-day drop in value in the history of the U.S. stock market, who could blame Tony Zhang for making a play for Meta? He'll show you how he's doing it. It's time to risk less to make more. Options Action starts right now. Let's get right to it. It's been a busy week of big tech earnings, and while investors weren't hitting the like button on Meta, Alphabet and Amazon seemed to get all the love, both companies surging after reporting. But did they both really uh, deserve it? Carter, start to uh, unpack this idea for us. Yeah, I mean, so much going on. For starters, you know, uh, two weeks ago, we were playing Google the downside, looking for a Netflix-type drop, uh, a Facebook-type drop, and indeed it did the exact opposite. Uh, and so what we're looking at now is uh, a pairs trade, uh, Google relative to Amazon. And these are all ratio charts you're going to see now. So the first chart, again, it's just looking at one stock versus the other, divided, if you will, and the direction of the line is all you need to know. And so this is Google's relative performance to Amazon. And Google's been outperforming as Amazon's gone sideways, that's obvious. And then it broke out of this formation. And then with today's strength in Amazon, it's fallen back into the formation. Now look at the next chart. It's the same ratio, just a bit longer term. And then look indeed at the next chart. Just another way to draw the lines. We've broken above this downturn, meaning uh, Google's been underperforming Amazon for the better part of seven, eight years, and it's really coming to life now. And then two more, same chart, you can call it a head and shoulders bottom, or you can call it a, a rounding bottom. But either way, uh, as a bet in terms of three, six, nine months out, Google, looking at the relative performance chart, is uh, likely to be the winner. That's the thinking. All right. Um, Mike, you've got a pretty strong take on this what's your what is it yeah i mean first of all this has been a pretty extraordinary quarter i mean if we think about the traditional fang names okay so what we used to call facebook apple amazon netflix and google now a couple of these have changed their names but uh their tickers remain the same we've seen some really big moves apple moved close to seven percent off of their earnings we saw both alphabet and amazon go substantially higher today Facebook, now known as Meta, obviously fell considerably. But when I take a look at Amazon and Alphabet, I, I find it really extraordinary what's going on here. Uh, I find 
you know, the enthusiasm from the street on Amazon's result in particular to be quite puzzling to me. Why is that? Uh, so what did Alphabet give us? They gave us about $22.5 billion in net income. What did Amazon give us? Well, uh, you know, if you, at first blush, $14.3 billion, not bad, except that $11.8 billion of that is from Rivian. If you take a look at their net operating income, excluding that Rivian impact, it's $2.5 billion. So that $2.5 billion is more than a 65% decline year on year versus their net operating income a year ago. Google, on the other hand, 65% increase. So to me, you know, when you're taking a look at one of these making nine times what the other one is, they obviously are in a lot of the same businesses. Some of those are very good and strong businesses. Some of them are clearly not as good. And Amazon is the one that's carrying the weight of some of the businesses that are not profitable. So I would be inclined with both of these popping to fade Amazon and go long Google. Now you can choose a number of ways that you could fade Amazon. If you own it, you could sell it. You could look to do a, a structure similar to the one I'm gonna recommend on Google, except making a more bearish bet. And what I would recommend on Google is that after the earnings came out, we saw options premiums decline. You can buy longer dated call options and then sell some near dated ones against it. Now, normally you would have seen a lot of implied volatility come out of those near dated ones, but because we've been seeing these stocks move so much, it actually is not down as much as you might think. So actually the term structure, that is the implied volatility of one month options and three month options is approximately the same. I was looking at the May, um, the May 3000 calls and then selling the March 3150s against it. So net net, now you have to bear in mind that these are expensive stocks. So the options are similarly gonna be expensive, be about 110 bucks. Now that's about a $10,000, $11,000 trade for the home gamers to think about because of course each contract represents 100 shares. That might be a little bit chunkier than some would be inclined to do it. But of course, 100 shares of these stocks is also gonna cost you uh, a decent amount to put the trade on. But you know, my inclination here is to believe the move in Google, but maybe not so much in Amazon. Tony, what is your take on this trade? Yeah, so I certainly agree with this both on a fundamental and technical story perspective, because if you look at Alphabet's trading at 21 times next year's earnings, given the picture that, that Mike was just talking about, that uh, EPS growth that we've seen from Alphabet, I think it's trading at a fairly substantial discount to where it should be trading, probably closer to 25, 26 times next year's earnings. I'm not as bothered by Amazon's valuation as Mike is, but what I am bothered by is Amazon's chart. If you look at the stock, it's been in this slightly upward trend since July of 2020 for the last 18 months. And during that time, it's been underperforming its sector, losing ground. And the earnings announcement we saw yesterday that did uh, you know, rally the stock does not change that story at all. If anything, I think the $3,200 that Amazon's currently trading for is a temporary top here for the stock. So when you look at the fact that, Am that Alphabet over that same period, 18 month period, has been outperforming its sector, technically speaking, you, I think you have a strong case both on the fundamental and technical side. As far as Mike's trade on the, on the diagonal spread, Google Alphabet's an expensive stock. $10,000 is still expensive, but it's only 3.6% of the stock's value. So you are getting substantial leverage, if you will, to be able to have exposure similar to being along the stock for just a very small fraction of the stock's value. So using a call diagonal like this is, I think is a great way to play for a bounce higher or a breakout higher rather for Alphabet. 
Carter, just quickly on Amazon specifically, Tony had mentioned how the stock has been fallow. And for some, that is the argument to be in Amazon, that it has been, in fact, a fallow stock and is due for some sort of catch up. What's your take? Right. So uh, if you think of the precondition before the fallow period, a huge move, a double uh, going from 1500 to 3500 and then the quiescent fallow resting period. That's often the setup for a breakout, except it broke down instead. And so even though it recovered a lot, all it did on this week's recovery of 9.5% is return it to where it was simply three weeks prior. Uh, it, the chart is broken. All right. Let's stick with big tech now. Meta platforms missing the mark on earnings and plummeting more than 20 percent to close out the week. But Tony says this drop may be a perfect time to give this social stock a poke. Tony, what are you seeing? Yeah, so I've held a fairly bearish view here on Meta a few a few months ago, but I do think it's time to start potentially turning that around and reversing my opinion on this and focus less on the user story that really knocked the stock down on earnings and focus more so on the revenues and profits here for Facebook uh, for uh, Meta. Because if we first take a look at the long-term chart, and this is a chart that Carter actually set up, this is a logarithmic chart of the stock from 2012 lows to where it is today. And what you see is a pullback to that trend line, as Carter would say, to the penny. And that is the opportunity that I see for, for Meta to potentially rally from here. Now, if we zoom into that chart, what you see is that it's pulled back to roughly around a 225 level, which is where the stock was trading back in July of 2018. Now, in 2018, Facebook uh, or Meta made about $22 billion in profits. Right now, it's made about double that, $39 billion. So the stock is trading at roughly half the value, valuation it was trading at back in July of 2018. So I think the fact that the stock is currently trading at 14 times next year's earnings, it's extremely cheap, and the revenue growth supports this stock being substantially higher from here. So I think it's worth taking a bit of risk, catching a, a, a bit of a falling knife here on, on Meta, and use a stock replacement strategy or, or a, a, a strategy that is similar to a stock replacement strategy, a call diagonal, similar to what Mike is using. So I'm going out to the March-July 230, 265 call diagonal, spending about $26 for the July 230 call options. These are call options that are slightly in the money to reduce the amount of time decay that I'm paying for these. And I'm selling the March 265s for about $3.60. Net net here, I'm paying $22.60 earlier today for this diagonal spread, which is just under 10% of the stock's value. So I'm getting a risk profile very similar to being long 100 shares for just about 10% of the capital required to do so. Mike, what's your take on the trade? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I like the structure because it's one I was just talking about. And, you know, I, I actually do like playing Facebook uh, for a bounce here. Look, I mean, in the short term, we know the markets are a voting machine. And in the long run, they're a weighing machine. And if you weigh uh, basically the money generating capabilities of Meta, you have to kind of like this one on the long side. I mean, 10.2 billion, I think, for the quarter is what they did. That, by the way, just because I want to keep digging on Amazon, I guess, is four times what Amazon did slight decline year on year. But I mean, this is obviously a company that's immensely profitable and is trading quite cheap, in my view. All right. Um, let's get a check on shares of Peloton. The shares are surging in the after hour session. The Wall Street Journal reporting that Amazon has approached the company about a potential takeover. Amazon is telling CNBC it has no comment on this report. We haven't heard back yet from Peloton, but the stock is higher by 31 percent right now. Um, Mike, what do you think? 
Oh, sure. By, by all means, buy Peloton. That would have knocked your net income down <laughs> another 10%. So uh, instead of making two and a half, your net operating for, for the quarter would have been about 2.25. I mean, it seems like that's par for the course there. Um, look, we did see quite a lot of options activity, I have to say, in Peloton. It was above average today, uh, nearly 100,000 calls traded. And obviously, this is good news for Peloton uh, shareholders. But I, I, it would be another reason for me to avoid Amazon. Mike is not in a pro-Amazon mood tonight, to put it politely. Uh, Carter, how does a Peloton chart look? I mean, let's stay with the things that are a little bit funny. I can picture my grandmother on her exercise bike. And listen, there's nothing new here. <laughs> That's it. All right. Well said. All right. For everything Options Action, check out our website. Sign up for our newsletter. Here's what's coming up next. Still to come, Pair Trades Part 2. We'll look at a couple of commodities on contradictory courses. Then we'll stop with the alliterations. Promise. Plus, calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. Saturday, CNBC is your ticket to the annual Berkshire Hathaway meeting. Watch live on air or stream all the action at CNBC.com. Warren Buffett meets with shareholders, plus their questions, his answers. Becky Quick and Mike Santoli with full coverage from Omaha. Then re-rack the energy with highlights Monday morning starting on Squawk Box. The annual Berkshire Hathaway meeting, live on air and online, starts 9.30 Eastern, Saturday, CNBC. Welcome back to Options Action and our second pair trade of the night. Oil's had a monster climb up more than 63% over the past year, but the chart master says it may finally be time to throw in the towel and pick up a fleece, uh, a golden fleece. <laughs> Carter, take it away. Right. So we're looking at oil uh, versus gold. In this instance, we're not going to look at some ratio charts, just the absolute charts themselves. So the first chart here, we looked at this at the top of the hour. Uh, this is the um, formation that uh, oil has been in, and it's a fascinating thing in the sense that it has touched the upper and lower band to the penny repeatedly, like a pinball machine, and stopped and gone the other way. Uh, so one could say it's fundamentals. Of course, I will argue it's almost all technicals. And what we know is we're up against the upper band. Uh, all of the stories are, are quote, bullish markets and backwardization, but often when everyone's aware of something, it's right to take the road less traveled. So we're making the bet to fade uh, oil here. Now, there is an ETF or a fund you can use. The next chart, it's symbol USO, and you'll see that it's the exact same formation. And so you can actually trade this if you don't have a commodities account in the NYMEX where you can trade crude. And now, as to gold, the third and final chart, in a way, uh, the most important or fascinating uh, dynamic this week is not so much the movement in big stocks. Stocks often move when they have good or bad earnings. It's not so much the extension of crude oil. Crude oil has been going up for weeks and months. Um, it's the ability of gold to hang in, to remain onch, literally, in the face of uh, real rates rising the way they did, um, not only in the U.S., but around the globe. And so, uh, our hunch is that this formation, which continues to form, right, converging lines, obviously has to be resolved at some point. You get to the end of the runway. And uh, I think consensus is that it's going to break down. Uh, my hunch is it'll do the exact opposite. Mike, how do you trade this? 
Yeah, so I mean, we'll we'll touch on uh, the last one first. So just taking a look at gold, you know, you have a situation where technically it looks like it's going to, you know, basically make a move, either higher or lower. Carter's bet is that it's higher. I'm inclined to agree. But if you get into a situation like this where you you know you have this kind of a binary outcome, this is one of those situations where options can serve you very well. And what's interesting is that if you take a look at gold or if you look at uh, the ETF that tracks it, GLD, what you'll notice is that three-month at-the-money implied volatility is less than 15%. What that means is you can essentially buy an at-the-money call option. This thing was trading around 169 I was looking at the June 170s. Uh, those were just a little over $5 or, put differently, a little over 3% of the value of the ETF. And if you think this thing is going to move uh, sharply at some point in the near future because it's about to resolve this moment of tension, then 3% isn't a great deal to risk if you're inclined to bet that it's going to be to the upside. So that's the way I would play gold. Now, looking to oil, this one's a little bit trickier. I, you know, I was, uh, I was a member of the New York Mercantile Exchange. I, I traded a lot of uh, oil and gas options back in the day. The thing about the energies is, uh, in my experience, they always tend to move farther than you think they will, um, both to the upside and to the downside. Um, now, from a fundamental standpoint, I realize there's a lot of people who are, who are quite bullish on it still. Uh, nevertheless, it is always going to continue to look bullish until it doesn't. So if you're trying to pick a moment uh, where you're either going to you know, take your profits, which I don't think would be a bad move here, uh, or make a, a bearish bet, I wouldn't be inclined to make a bearish bet by necessarily going short. But here, I think we could use a put diagonal to, to make that bet and obviously limit the risk. This isn't a hugely bearish bet. It's a, it's a modestly bearish bet. I was looking out to the July 64 puts. Those were a little over six bucks. Notice, by the way, that's uh, about 10% of the strike, so considerably more expensive than options on GLD. And then selling the near-dated March 59 puts against it for $1.31 to help offset the decay and that relatively large outlay of premium as a percentage of the value. But I do believe that, that GLD has reached a moment of tension. And I think the precious metals, I'm also long SLV, by the way, uh, probably are going to see their chance to shine, pardon the pun, sometime soon. <laughs> Tony, what's your take on these trades? Yeah, so if you look at oil, I certainly agree with Carter's charts. I think we're near a temporary top, and I think we're due for a reversal. So if you look at Mike's uh, put, uh, put uh, diagonal spread here, it is, as he said, a mildly bearish trade. He, the short strike here is around 59. That's the breakout level we've seen here on, US, uh, on USO just recently. So he's not targeting significant downside. So I think that does make sense because my long-term views for oil is quite bullish based on more fundamental factors. When you look at gold, this has been trading into this major apex that uh, Carter brought up for about 18 months or so. So while I agree that we're going to get a breakout, I'm not necessarily convinced it's going to break out higher per se, but this is very t sensitive from a timing perspective because Mike is long the put options on the USO and he's long the call options on GLD. So this is very time sensitive because he's got time decay on both sides. That is something to consider. And one other thing is that if you are trading this as a pairs trade, GLD is about two and a half times USO in terms of price. So if you want to structure this as a pairs trade, you need to buy about five contracts of USO for about two contracts of GLD to truly have a hedged pair trade on this particular trade structure. All right. Coming up next, we're taking your tweets. There's more options action in two. 
Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take your tweets. Our first viewer is, is betting is betting a bet, excuse me, on one casino name. Caesars looks prime for a bounce. Uh, thoughts on calls between $78 and $82. Tony, what do you say? Uh, yeah, Caesars certainly seen quite a bit of multiple compression here. The line in the sand here is that $82 level. The fact that it hasn't climbed back above it makes it a bit more speculative. So I like going out to March, looking at maybe the 80 95 call spread, reducing the, the cost of the particular trade, reducing the amount of uh, premium that you're paying for uh, a breakout here. But the, the fundamentals look quite compelling. All right. Our next viewer is eyeing a monster merger. He writes, I think Activision with earnings and the Microsoft purchase will rise. I was looking to sell the March 87 call and buy the June 80 call for a cost of about three shares. Mike, your thoughts on this one? Yeah, so ATVI is trading around 79 bucks a share right now. The all-cash deal that Microsoft offered is 95 bucks a share. That's a 20% discount to the deal price. That's quite remarkable. And I think maybe some people are concerned about uh, antitrust issues. I don't think that's really in play. On the gaming side, they'll be the third largest. That was one of the points that the Microsoft CEO was making about it, not expecting uh, basically a whole lot of pushback. So I definitely like the idea of buying some at-the-money calls, selling some near-dated premium, because that's not going to the issues that are holding it down aren't going to go away. Uh, and our earnings are going to be reported in May. So uh, I like the trade structure, and I am a buyer of Activision. I think the deal's going to happen. Carter, what are your thoughts on uh, either or both of these charts? Well, I, you know, I, I would say this. Look, once a stock's in play, you know, you're you're betting on an outcome that is largely known but not 100% known. And so there, it's off the table, if you will, uh, for, for ATVI. Microsoft, on the other hand, it's just sort of a pair of twos. A pair of twos. And, and just for the poker illiterate like myself, that's bad, right? Well, it's the least hand you can have without having five random cards, so it's not particularly good. All right, okay. Up next, final call. Final call, Carter. Old long, oil short. Tony. Meta, call diagonal spread. Mike. Buy now, Google, not Amazon. All right, that does it for us here on Options Action. We're off for the next two weeks. The CNBC brings you live coverage of the 2022 Winter Olympics. But keep an eye on our Twitter account for bonus content. Meantime, don't go anywhere. Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now. Saturday, CNBC is your ticket to the annual Berkshire Hathaway meeting. Watch live on air or stream all the action at CNBC.com. Warren Buffett meets with shareholders, plus their questions, his answers. Becky Quick and Mike Santoli with full coverage from Omaha. Then re-rack the energy with highlights Monday morning starting on Squawk Box. The annual Berkshire Hathaway meeting, live on air and online, starts 930 Eastern, Saturday, CNBC.